Hello and welcome everyone to episode 11 of the BGC Trainers School Podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to BGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I am Jake, as always, and with me is Spicer, very spicy co-host. How are you doing today, sir? Yes, I am also here, as sometimes. I'm pretty good. Uh, just uh, hanging out at home with uh, my bearded dragon and my microphone. Very cool, very cool. Uh, so yeah, that's cool. Uh, what have you been up to in uh, Pokemon or outside of it? Um, outside of Pokemon, trying to get a new apartment because they raised my rent like forty percent. Jeez, it's insane. Brutal. There should be protections against such things, but there's not. So I just finished finding a new apartment, and uh, we'll be moving into it in two weeks. So that's always fun. So much fun to move. Everybody loves moving. But I do have uh, some money saved up to get some movers this time because I do not want to go up and down the stairs with the furniture so many times. In the Pokemon world, um, we just finished our draft league, season 2.5 of the VGC Trainer School Draft League with uh, my partner. Uh, Me! Let's go! Won the finals because yeah, we did them. And we used the uh, ever-broken core of 252 Speed EVs Orangaroo with <laughs> uh, with Muddy Water Tatsugiri. And somehow that's the finals. Uh, that was only our plan because plan A, B, C, and D and E fell through with them countering our our you know our usual strategies. And then we kind of made that one up on the spot and somehow it came through. I prayed to Arceus and they gave us the flinch on the rock slide mm-hmm. and our muddy waters all hit for once. So that was magical. Somehow we pulled that out of our butts and I don't think we should have, I think the opponent had a better matchup uh, and we barely made it into top cut too. I think it was like, what, what were we, what were we three and three? Yeah. So we, we were the, we were the last team into playoffs So we had an uphill battle to get there. Uh, like you said, able to pull it out. It's cool. Yeah, I still can't believe we did that. Um, but uh, looking forward to season three. We won't be partaking, but uh, be watching with much enthusiasm as we have. How many people are in in, in this one? So this one is going to be big. It is two leagues. It, w- it had been just one league of 16 teams. But this season, uh, we are going a little bit larger, and we are doing two leagues of 16 teams so it's 32 people are essentially going to be all doing draft league on the same server they're not it's there's no inter league battling it's all just going to be within the two divisions of the uva division and the naranja division but it should be cool then we're gonna have like a, a grand finals for the champion of both leagues are going to, to battle it out so it should be it should be a good time it's going to be a long time because it's a long season with playoffs and everything so I'm definitely excited to watch from the sidelines and see how it goes. Other than that, I did my like USPA match, which I got a win. Yay. Um, nice. Let's go. Trying great, to man. do it in ladder. Uh, the, yeah, the USPA league. I don't know. Did we cover that before? But it's like an online league, uh, just regular, whatever the current rules of BGC are. 
used a team that I've been enjoying lately. Scott, Dragonite, Corviknight, got all my knights. <laughs> Gastrodon, some other stuff. Cool. Well, that's that sounds like it's been a good time outside of the apartment hunting. Hopefully that that comes to uh, come to fruition for you here soon. So we do have a guest host on for today. Very exciting. Uh, we have Gil. Uh, Gil is a teammate of Spicers on the Las Vegas Meowska Raiders, and they were kind enough to come on and talk to us about some of these interesting new cores and OCIC on the horizon. So, Gil, first off, you know, nice to meet you for sure. Nice to meet you as well. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, I appreciate of course. it. Thanks for coming on. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? How long have you been doing VGC? You know, <laughs> uh, what's been your your favorite Gen Nine Pokemon? All right, so I've been playing Pokemon since the start. Red, blue, yellow. That was I've been playing since then. I started looking at the competitive stuff right around the uh, 2014 Worlds when the Pachirisu came through, Sage and Park's team. Um, and then casually from there until last year when uh, Calyrex Ice came out and it intrigued me enough to really start playing competitively and taking it seriously. Um, as for my favorite Gen 9 Pokemon, it's, it's absolutely Annihilate. I think I, I felt like Primeape was so slept on and it, it deserved another evolution and I couldn't have asked for anything better. It it typifies the the way I play Pokemon more than any other Pokemon I've ever seen. So it it, it, it fits me on a on a spiritual level. No, that's fantastic. So Annihilate is awesome. Like I love the fact that it's it just it got so angry that it died. Right. That was the evolution. And then it's just like it's cracked, right? Rage Fist is so cool. It's such a neat mechanic the way it builds on top of itself and it doesn't reset when you switch out. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. Such a good it mod. epitomizes like a, a no you kind of kind of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh well cool. Uh we're very happy to have you. Like I said, so thanks thank you again for coming on. How about you? Uh let's see. For me, uh the draft league win was definitely definitely big and I you know, we had a lot of fun with that for sure. But I think the other thing that I've been enjoying with Pokemon is that because we finally have a situation where, yes, Series 3, or I guess, you know, uh, these Season 2 rules will be changing in the future. The new rule set hasn't been dropped on us yet. So the current rule set is just a lot of fun to play. So I've been trying a bunch of different ways to take metamons and change them in some capacity, just like very slightly, like a different Terra here or a different move set or something like that, just to see what works and what doesn't, just because, I don't know, Swords Dance Iron Hands wasn't a thing until, you know, it feels like, what, three or four weeks ago. And so it's like, what else could be out there that things could change and become the new standard? And I don't know, I think it'd be kind of fun to be the first person to figure that out trying new terras on standard metamons yeah Catch yeah people off guard. definitely would work in best of one i guess i think that's probably what's what's happening you're right so we have a lot that we want to get into for this week's episode a little agenda for you all we are going to cover a little bit of news it's just not much at the moment which is a good thing and a bad thing um, but then we're going to jump into some popular cores and teams that have come up with Series 2. This first one here is really just the Tandem Mouse raids that are currently going on. They end tomorrow. We're recording on the 13th of February. 
So by the time you listen to this, it'll be over. But it's kind of neat. They are giving increased Terra Shards for the raid type that it is. I kind of wish that they had communicated that a little bit better because it was a nice surprise to get like eight Fairy Shards at one time. But I don't know. I feel like I would have been more excited to do it had I known ahead of time. Also, there is some Pokemon Home update that is happening on the 15th of February. There's nothing that's been disclosed about what the update is going to be about or if there's any sort of in increased you know, ability or functionality or capability of the app um, after the actual maintenance is done. So we're not sure what's going to be happening, but maybe it's something good. You know, who knows? Maybe it's the beginning of the home transfer update that we all love to see. <laughs> and last is OCIC. And it's about the uh, the fact that it's happening this weekend, starting on the 17th and running through the 19th. And something fun about OCIC is that it was initially capped at 200. Uh, but then Spicer, what happened to that cap? Uh, yeah, fun is one way to put it. But uh, they had to increase it due to outrage. Um, that there's only, you know, a 200 person cap is insane considering every regional so far in North America has had more than 500 people the last one 700 and they haven't officially said what that new cap is yet as of now and i think it's good that they are increasing it i mean they you know they increased it which was great they opened the re registration of course and then they also in did the the day two swiss that's going to be happening for the video game side of things in addition to what they already had for the tcg or the trading card game side of things so it's been nice to see some of the changes that Pokemon has made from a competitive standpoint to make things more amenable to the masses and the people that actually are invested in in the competitive side of things. But yeah, that's the news. Uh, pretty, like I said, pretty light. So I'm hoping that we have we continue to have more stuff. And you know what? Pokemon Day is right around the corner. It's on the 27th of February. So I think there should be a good amount of stuff to talk about after that. But let's jump into these team compositions. So the way that this worked is it was kind of like a whisper down the lane type situation where a Japanese player named Cobalt apparently had some observations from the Series 2 meta that had developed and wrote out this great list of common combinations, cores, pairings, even full team compositions that they were seeing and it was all written in japanese and then a twitter user by fur d mass i believe then went through and translated it to english for many people to be able to actually then understand and it's great it's very in-depth it has some really a great jumping off point for people that do want to team build build so i wanted to take this time and we sort of go through these teams and identify what we like about them, what we've seen, what we use, that sort of thing, and just sort of see where it takes us. Very discussion-based, you know, just kind of going through. So this first one here is actually something, it was a, a combination that we had identified in one of our earlier episodes about popular pairs that you could see in both series, like in the in the pre on or in the in the pre-ranked meta before we even knew what the, the rule series was, but Iron Moth plus Fluttermane. And so the idea of it is essentially either with a Choice Scarf or Booster Energy on Iron Moth, 
you are using Acid Spray to drop the opponent's special defense by two stages, and then Fluttermane just absolutely obliterates whatever's left of that Pokemon, whether they use, you know, Moonblast or even Spread Target with Dazzling Gleam or something like that. Just gives a very strong offensive pairing that you're able to do a ton of damage right off the bat. So I'll go to you, Gil, first. Uh, have you used this core, or have you had it used against you by, by chance? I haven't. I haven't used this core. Um, I used Iron Moth more as a uh, as the star of the show on a couple of the teams that I built. Um, but I can definitely see why it's why it's succeeding this in this instance. They've got uh, not too many things that are resisting that uh, that that poison into into you know Moonblast, Dazzling Gleam, as you said, the spread fairy moves, or you know Ghost Ghost Fairy is such a great typing, great offensive typing. So there's not a lot that resists it, and then you you know you're taking away the special defense stat. It's it's great. I see on there that it's also paired with uh, Tetsugiri and Dondozo, so you're kind of like using it in a similar way to Ash the way Ashton Cox did at Orlando. Uh, you're using you know Iron Moth, Fluttermane lead to clear a path for Denzozo and T- Tatsugiri to come in and just clean up the rest of it. It, it, it. It's a solid core. I've definitely ran into it a couple of times. It, it makes you, it makes you really work to make sure that you're not, you know, losing instantly. I recently got wrecked by it and I guess I underestimated it at first because I was like, Oh, I resist poison and take this flutter main hit neutrally. I should be fine, but no acid spray uh will break your sash and also it doesn't matter uh how much damage acid spray does at minus two like you're just gonna die from shadow ball or moon blast mm-hmm. or something it's uh scary but you you just need something on your team that outspeeds the moth and can disrupt it there's not like a, a lot of things but the things that do are pretty common like your own flutter mains probably gonna outspeed theirs if it's under speeding the moth or bundle and you you should already probably have something that covers that end of the speed tier something really fast or something to subvert it like trick room agreed yeah and there's also been certainly an uptick in what covert cloak maybe that helps to not have the the spidef drop Mm -hmm. or if you are able to Mm. maneuver a steel type into that situation i mean you do run the risk of eating a big fat flamethrower or heat wave from Iron Moth, which is not a slouch when it yeah. comes to its damage output. Isn't it like 140 or something? Yeah, like 140 oh, yeah. base special attack, yeah. Um, so it's like you, you sort of run the risk there, of course. But that, yeah, that, that combo too is just is great because of course like the Flutterman can't be faked out since it's ghost type. And then you have the, the Iron Moth, you know, is able to tear a grass if you're threatening it with a ground type and it's able to resist that very very well so i think you you hit on the those counters you know being able to outspeed whether it's like booster energy on roaring moon or iron bundle or, or even tailwind like you said or trick room but then i think also too for, for you gil the the fact that you can then just bring in dozo and sweep at the end and then potentially still have a tatsugiri at the end to even do more damage it's oh. uh it, it's pretty it, it's a, it's it's pretty solid it's pretty solid yeah sure. it's scary it's mm-hmm. a lot of pokemon to get through yeah yes it is yeah, because they're they're just waste they're they're doing damage. They don't have to necessarily. That's super hyper offense, right? Like you don't have to protect ever. All right. So this next one is NDD Armor Rouge. This one is saying with also Iron Bundle. I haven't seen that as much, but then again, maybe I'm just not being as 
observant perhaps, but I typically see the, the NDD Armor Rouge as like a trick room oriented team with a little bit slower mons, but Iron Bundle, you could just put on any team, honestly, and it does well, especially since the fire-water combination between Armor Rouge and, and Iron Bundle can be very good. And of course, follow me to redirect some of those special attacks away from Deli Bird, or rather <laughs> Iron Bundle, uh, could be good. So I'll start with you first, Spicer. What are your thoughts on NDD Armor Rouge? And keep it PG-13, I guess? <laughs> Um, yeah, this is a, this is a combo that's, we've been seeing since day one and that's cause it's good and it yeah. was definitely pushed because that's why they gave Armourage the expanding force of no one else. And also they didn't really care to fix that whole trick room and DDF thing. There's like a, and DDF it, we're going to just leave it there and not <laughs> do anything to fix it. And then bundle I think that the bundle thing, uh, there's like two ways you have it on this team. You either just have like the standard bundle and you bring it out like in the back at the end of your trick room, trick room hopefully. Uh, or you do like the flip turn weakness policy thing as mentioned here in the tweet, uh, which is pretty devastating if you're not set up for it because it's already the fastest Pokemon in, in the format. And then it gives... Uh, that a weak armor speed bonus to armor rouge. So hopefully you got something to deal with that. Gil, how do you run your NDD armor rouge? Because you like to use this. Yeah, no, I I run Psy spam. Um, okay. I'm my mine is a trick room variant. I'm biased, obviously. I I feel like my my way is the best way. You know, giving giving everything away right now. Um, I run a Terra Fairy armor rouge. Oh, cool. With, with Terra Blast to take care of. Pretty uh, to to deal with Roaring Moon, Dark types, and my favorite one is to take care of the quick the quick attack Sylveon version of this team mm. because I think that's of the speed of the speed and DD Armor Rouges. I think that's the best one is Dark Terra Dark Terra Armor Rouge with Life Orb and a or not with Life Orb sorry with with Weakness Policy in in, uh, in a quick attack from Sylveon get you that pretty much no matter what and then you oh, also wow. have fairy coverage from hyper voice after that huh. and it That's sounds cool. like you've already countered the two possible like the two possible counters listed on this image it says bulky dark types of snarl or roaring moon and you got terra fairy there you go what's yeah i yeah i've played i've played about 800 games with Psy spam in series two as of right now i'll probably by the time series two is over i'll have well over a thousand oh my the way the way it works for me is I build a team and I continue to run it until I know it doesn't work and this is just too good. I'm just trying to find the right support for it still, just with the meta evolving and whatnot. But uh, right. but there there's a bunch of different ways. There's a lot of being being a size spam player. I'm I'm a little more in tune with this one than I am any any of the other ones on the on the on the list. There's a lot of different things you can run with Psy Spam. Um, typically, if you're running a fast one, it's going to be Grass Terra or Dark Terra. I've very rarely seen Psychic, Fairy, uh, any other variation. You, you rarely see them. It's typically Grass or Dark. I'd say that's about 80 to 90% of those that are running around on Ladder. Okay. Um, the Flip Turn thing is new. I didn't I didn't actually... I, I mean, it's, it's there, obviously. And it's great because you can because you can flip turn and get out set up psychic terrain within dd once it's once it's come up 
then you just kind of win. If you let if you let that get set up, there's almost nothing you can do after it's been set up. You can't you can't catch up to the armor rouge. You can't and you and it's gonna out damage you. Mm-hmm. But I like mine. I feel like I feel like I have this matchup down because I see it a lot. So with my trick room variant, I very rarely run into trouble against other size spam teams because okay. once you get up trick room you're already you're already ahead and as long as you can shut down whatever trick room answer they have because they're not expecting it because they're expecting you to run speed typically and then also being fairy type i have a i have a way to beat the the dark type ones and then also you know coverage in the back i have answers for the other the other terra types I don't want to get into too many specifics. I'm still playing in leagues and stuff. So sure, sure. Essentially, I I I'm the biggest fan of this at using it now. I was very resistant to using it in series one, but after I gave it a shot, it kind of fits my play style better mm-hmm. than I thought it would, and I'm very happy about it. Nice. Yeah, I've used it a, a little bit. I've, I've tried to make a like, hard trick from team with Torkoal and whatnot, and um, I really I did enjoy it for sure. I. I would run the flash fire set, but still have the weakness policy on it. That way, when you get hit with snarl, you actually go to plus one instead of minus one. Um, and I, and it's not like a super, you know, creative thing, obviously, because it's very common, but it is still, it's a very, very strong Pokemon. And I, I think that they knew exactly what they were doing when they, when they left trick room on, uh, NDD. I, I'm curious if it would still be as good, the, the, the combo and the, the team, if NDD, didn't have trick room i think it still probably would have but at least he would know where the trick room is coming from where they're yeah now like if you wanted to use a spread move to hit the armor rouge uh you couldn't because it could wide guard and then the trick room comes from the dd and you're not sure where it's coming from in the best of one mm-hmm. and uh, i don't think this core is really going anywhere and if any meta sees it go uh, down in usage is probably be the one with the ruinous quartet or whatever you want to call. Yes. Now, yeah. Chi Yu on this team? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's <laughs> I. I have I have dreams about that. Nightmare. No dreams because I, I want to run it. <laughs> you want it because it's going to be like counter to you. Now it's going to be good. But yeah, so from one thing that you're a fan of with Armorusian DD to our next core on the list is basically just annihilate. And you can run it with a couple of different things, whether you want to do screens for support with Grim Snarl, or of course the beat up set with Mousehold. And that's another one where it was something that maybe we thought it was going to go away a little bit with the switch from series one to series two, but that certainly has not been the case. It turns out when something is as bulky and strong as Annihilate is with as much of a ability to redirect and disrupt as mousehold is going to have or disrupt the way that you know grimstarl does that's not going anywhere so of course the way that it works mousehold gets friend guard to boost with the survivability of annihilate screens whether light screen or reflect or even you know misty's terrain for some grimstarls are able to prevent status onto the annihilate and it basically just sets up bulk up and you hit it and it doesn't go anywhere because it just keeps on living with leftovers and protect and 
Then you got Drain Punch and plus two Drain, uh, you know, plus two attack. It's, and then Rage Fist starts to steamroll. It is a very, very powerful core. Spicer, have you uh, have you used this this combo? That's a funny question because you know I've used this combo. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everyone does. You know, I, a good, yeah. I, I got to ask the questions that I know the answers to. You know? Yeah, uh, I definitely was a Mouse Ape main in Series 1, and I really liked it. It's definitely not as good as it was in Series 1 with Flutter main and Iron Bundle running around because all it really takes is something outspeeding the mouse to kind of mess stuff up with this uh, combo. And with Iron Bundle being able to Icy Wind and then let its teammate attack first, it really messes things up. But if they don't have anything faster, you're probably going to win. And then I see in the possible counters it lists redirection to stop the beatup. Uh, well, that works with follow me, but I think pretty much like 90% of mouse holds are going to be using safety goggles for that reason. Uh, so good luck using your mouse hold versus theirs or your Indeedy. I, I got to say that um, if you're a mouse ape main, one thing you hate to see is size spam uh, because it just destroys this team redirecting the beat up and just expanding force annihilate into the next level wherever he's dead. But yeah, it seems to work pretty good still with Grim Snarl, which is uh, also nice for Misty Terrain. If they try to burn you, maybe you don't have to use your Terrifier yet. Right, right. Uh, Gil, have you found that that is the case as well, that you look forward to facing Mousehold 8 because of Psy Spam? That's yes and no. This one gives gives slow size spam a little bit more trouble than fast size spam. I will say I do I do believe that Grim Snarl Annihilate is actually better than Mousehold Annihilate. That's just my personal opinion. Having ran a Grim Snarl Annihilate and then I my beat upper was was Fergaraf. I ran a very slow trick room oriented. If you couldn't tell, I'm a trick room player. Hmm. Annihilate. It gets down to like 85 speed, I believe, is the what you can do with negative nature. So it still underspeeds a lot. I feel like it it has a plate it this a slow ape would have a place in this meta absolutely and the better partner for that would be Grimmsnarl. It it just it it's still so good. Like it's still so bulky. Everything that everything that was good about it in series 1 is still good in series 2. You know, it, it still gets the rage fist boosts. It still has bulk up protect. Mm-hmm. It gets it gets all the tools it needs. I I don't really think there's I don't think there's really going to be much innovation on its move set. By the by, like by the time we hit you know series four five six, mm-hmm. I, I think it's still going to be the same set running around with just maybe different EVs to survive different stuff. Yeah, and trust me, I tried. Focus energy ape, not as good. <laughs> no, no. The, the only the only one that the only other option for ape is is the scar final gambit ape. But even that that has died way out. Yes, it yeah. has for sure. Because yeah, it, well, it doesn't even it, like with it doesn't kill iron ants. You know, yeah. that would be it's, something that would be great to go against, but it doesn't. Right. Yeah. So I mean, yes, as a as a as an annihilate player from series one, it's still it's still it holds up. It just I just wanted to try some new stuff. That's why I'm not using it. Well, I'm not using this this form of it at the moment. Right. Uh, I could definitely see why Grimmsnarl would be better on the slow ape, because uh mouse would just be like, What are you doing? Mm-hmm. That's true. I I, I definitely preferred running it with Grimmsnarl because Grimmsnarl is just a great support Pokemon for the rest of your team anyways. 
as opposed to maybe mouse holder is a little, you know, a little too dedicated to, to annihilate, but I could mm -hmm. be wrong, but no, it's, it's definitely, definitely not going anywhere. I'll, I'm curious to see if we see some like Chen Pao annihilate type thing going on with, you know, reduced defenses oh, across, yeah. across the board. That could be something that's, that's there. Um, in but, series zero. Yeah, that's very cool. But no, we'll see. I did have one one note on Annihilate. I'm curious if this becomes a a Pokemon that people start running weird Terras on, like Ghost and Fire definitely became the, the the standard ones. But I did see a Ground Terra Annihilate the other day, and it was specifically for the one v one versus Iron Hands, and I was like, mm -hmm. that's interesting because it can't hit you first. So then you know that it has to go with an electric move and then it can't hit you again. I don't know. I was just like, it, I'm I'm going to be interested to see how some of these terrors develop and I could see maybe Annihilate is one of those. Even like grass or something like that could be could be good. I can speak to that because for, for most of, of Series 1, I was running Ferritary Annihilate. Okay. It I was, like you like, you like Fairy Terra. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's, a, it's a great type, so I get it's it. It's a great type, man. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but no, it wasn't actually for any other reason but to catch people off guard. Yeah. I yeah. didn't, I, you know, I, I eventually switched. I ran Fair F, sorry, Fire Terra at, at San Diego. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I eventually switched over. It was cool. Caught some people off guard. It's more just to, like, resist dark and then also, you know, uh, resist fighting types. Yes. Yeah, because right. I know I'm. You're switching from you're switching from uh, from a a fighting immunity. You might as well keep it, right. especially if there are other annihilates running around. Release resistance. Yeah, I've personally seen like ninety percent fire ape, and then like ten percent steel, and then like nothing else. So that's kind of amazing. You guys seen all these other things, but uh, yeah, fairy sounds good. I mean, who doesn't like to turn into a fairy every once in a while? <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. The uh, the one I see the most other than fire though is is actually water. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that a couple water, times. Water, water, Terra, annihilate. Yep. Mm -hmm. See that uh, in best of one working out because you're subverting the expectation of your fire. Right. Very true. And so let's move from one water Pokemon, you know, maybe Terra here, but definitely not Terra. The next one is Dondozo and Kazugiri, everybody's Ooh. favorite sushi combo. So of course, no sense in going over what Tatsukiri and Dondozo do, considering it's you know it's, it's out there. It eats it. The you know Dondozo eats the Tatsugiri, and it gets to plus two everything. So with Dondozo and Tatsugiri getting access to a lot of the new Paradox Pokemon, that has been great for it, giving it additional support, and it's really transcended beyond just being a gimmick and truly is a, a force to be reckoned with. I mean, it always was, but it's like, it's definitely here to stay for sure. I mean, the support from like Iron Hands or Brute Bonnet tend to be very, very common with it and not a Paradox Pokemon, but just a very strong one in general is Goldengo. It does well on it as also just because of that, that fire weakness versus resistance. So Dondozo Tatsugiri certainly are not going to be going anywhere. It's able to just sit there. It's able to either weaken the team that you are facing off against or come in and clean at the end, forcing them to have to have an answer for it at all times because when you see it in team preview, it has to be respected and maybe you don't even bring it at that point. So, so yes, Don, Dondozo and Tatsugiri in that combination are certainly not going away anytime soon. Spicer, have you, have you messed around with this sushi pairing at all or have you uh how do you 
yeah, yeah, first, have you, have you used it at all? Me, you wouldn't catch me dead. No, I haven't used it much <laughs> yet myself. Then how do you counter it? What do you do against it? Um, basically, you you every team has to have something for it because right. it is uh oppressive. I it, you usually try to have like something with clear smog. Lately, I've been running Gastrodon, and I just love it for clear smog and water, you know, storm drain. And otherwise, I usually have an Amoongus. Like when I was doing Mouse Ape, Amoongus is pretty much standard on that team because you want to be able to redirect once the mouse goes down. But yeah, there's there's a number of ways people are doing Parish Song lately. Uh, the thing with Clear Smog, though, is that Terra Steel is pretty popular for that reason specifically. Yeah, it can be scary. If Usually the Dozo player will just look at your team sheet at the start and determine whether you have the win con or not. Right. Yeah, I think for me, what I what I've enjoyed using against it is Terra Water Arcanine with Will O Wisp, and then you sort of cycle in the the Intimidates here and there, and that that at least feels like I have something that I'm that I'm doing against it. But to me, it's like I, I saw this posted on, on Twitter before, but it's like I don't know. I feel like Don Dozo should have been the one that has Commander as an ability, not the Tatsugiri. Because like the fact that you can have this plus two giant who also has unaware just seems really <laughs> seems like kind of ridiculous. But it's but it's yeah. not it's not unbeatable, right? It's not it's not just it's not like a terror raid Pokemon that you're that it's just you know doesn't take any damage because its special defense is like in the fifties or sixties or something like that. So even at plus two, it's not that great. So you can whittle it away with with big damage from special attackers or from iron hands for sure. Uh, I mean, Gil, I what do you? Oh, sorry. I, I, I kind of get it because like if they didn't have unaware, it would just probably not be a good mon because everybody would have like a setup mon for it, mm-hmm. and then you would just turn a Dondozo into a win, and not it true. wouldn't be what it is. Yeah, that's a good point. But it is a little much. I'll say that. <laughs> What do you do against the gill? Uh, I just had an adventure in trying to use it, and it didn't go well. I don't. It's a lot more technical than than people uh, like see on the outside. Uh, it's it's a lot about positioning. You have to you absolutely have to position this correctly, uh, and it, it just doesn't work for me. I I don't I don't uh I don't particularly like using it and I, I tried my best, but it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And as for how I deal with it, I, I like using haze. I'd prefer, because that way it doesn't matter what Terra it has. And yeah. that's just a, that's just a win con in, a, in and of itself. Like yeah. once you, once it's gone, that it's just a, it's not a great Pokemon. Right. The yeah, reason... That's the most classic way to beat it at this point. But the only yeah. issue is that there's not a big distribution of haze. It's like Murkrow, Palafin, and then I don't know what else. Yeah, like weird stuff gets it here and there, but it's like it's not fast enough to necessarily do anything with it, which is what, which is why Murkrow works because it, you know, goes first. Or Palafin mm-hmm. uses it because it's so bulky you can just take a hit and then deal back the haze. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the other way I haven't used it much personally. The other way I, I take care of it is if you can catch them in bad position. That's why if you can deal some damage to the Dondozo before it can get set up before Tatsugiri gets in. Yeah. If you can force a you force a bad switch, it's way easier to deal with with seventy five percent HP rather than the hundred it starts out with. Very true. I will say something that is 
one of my most favorite and most satisfying turns in in VGC is when you get you have your two your Pokemon on the field, and the first one gets the final knockout on Dondozo, mm-hmm. and then you just get that fat free hit on Tatsugiri with your second Pokemon, and it's just oh, like, yeah. and if you can get that double knockout, oh my god, it feels so good. One way that they could have nerfed it, I think, would be so that if you were targeting the Tatsugiri slot when it commanded that it wasn't a miss, like if it was redirected into the Dozo, I don't think that would be a big deal. Yeah, because part of it is like you as the opponent, you have to predict. If you see the Dozo on the field, it's like, do you think that the partner Pokemon is going to switch out or not? And then if you, depending on the 50-50, your opponent can just protect on Dozo and then attack with Fluttermane or Iron Hands or Brute Bonnet or something like that. And then maybe you don't even are able to attack into it because you're expecting it to switch out. It is it is a weird mechanic for sure. They did a lot of weird stuff with, you know, partner Pokemon and, and whatnot in this generation. But that is Don Dozo. It's obviously very common. You see it a lot. Like we all said, you got to have something for it because it is not a gimmick. It is a legitimate strategy. Next one on here is Talonflame and Great Tusk. Talonflame, the other prankster Tailwind user in the format. And Great Tusk, although it has pretty abysmal special defense, has a fantastic attack stat. And with 87 speed, it's able to be just fast enough to be very relevant with that hard-hitting power. Obviously, Talonflame is able to set Tailwind. And then since it is flying, you have Great Tusk that might go Terra Ground and then just Earthquake into absolutely everything. Some of the additional partners on the team are Iron Bundle. I like to run this. You do Icy Wind, and then you attack with the Great Tusk. This is a great way to pop the Sash ahead of time, as opposed to not having not breaking Sash if you're just using Earthquake. Um, Gothitelle is another one, since it now gets Fake Out in this generation, plus you can't switch out from it. So maybe you're if you're trapped in, and you're going to eat like a headlong rush or a close combat or something like that. It's a very fun team, very, very high offense, and Great Tusk is just a really, really cool design Pokemon, so it's fun to use. We'll start with you, Gil. Um, do you see a team like this, and although it's not necessarily the that Trick Room aspect, the Trick Room build that you you, you know, lean towards, is this something that you've tested or used or would be interested in using in the future? Surprisingly enough, yeah, I have. I uh, I have a I have one in my my uh, showdown team builder right now, actually. Nice. Um, nice. You know, I, I kind of went back and forth on uh, Talonflame versus Murkrow. Uh, I think either one works really well with Tusk. The uh, the fun thing about it is uh, you can, if you want to use booster energy somewhere else, not on your on your Tusk, mm-hmm. you can use uh, Choice Scarf and outspeed Booster Bundle with Adamant Nature. Oh wow! After the Tailwind, so if you do and it it will Oko, it Oko's with Close Combat or Headlong Rush. Uh, the, uh, yeah it's a it's something you can that that has been tested a little bit it it does fall outside of my typical you know my typical archetype of trick room but i saw the merit in it it's you know the ground attacker is kind of slept on right mm-hmm. now in this meta it's and ground coverage is something it seems like you're gonna need in most cases and uh and yeah uh you know one of our other teammates uh, used a version of this team against us in a local and uh it was really good 
And Spicer, this is kind of similar to a very strong core that we had on our on our draft league team. It was Murkrow instead of Talonflame because to, you sort of touched on it there, Gil. Being able to haze away those defense and spadef drops that are that come after the close combat and the head long rush are are very nice. Do you have a, a great tusk team in the chamber, Spicer? Uh, I messed with it. Um, I'd say I think this team is like the upgrade from the series one Murkrow, uh, Garchomp, which yeah. was often featured with Hydreigon and Goldango. Yeah, because of course you have Haze. I think the reason why it's Talonflame now is because the biggest, the easiest way to stop Great Tusk is a Grass type. Uh, like Amoongus Rage Powder and Talonflame just brave birding the grass types is great coverage for it. Mm-hmm. I think that the Haze uh, Murkrow it is nice if you are running like an Assault Vest Tusk, mm-hmm. but I think for the most part, they're like Life Orb or Booster with Substitute or they're just Focus Sash is the most popular one in my opinion. And then if you're Sashed, you don't really care about your defense drops. And then you just want to hit stuff with Brave Bird, Taunt stuff. Will-O-Wisp is so good right now. I think that's the biggest reason people are going Talonflame. Uh, and, but what I'm personally using, because this, this along with pretty much everything on this list, but especially this and Donzo, uh, Dondozo, are mons you need to have answers for. Mm-hmm. You should probably have answers for everything on here, but... My answer I've been using is just a flying type, like something that resists fighting, is immune to ground. Uh, I've been using right now Terra Flying Dragonite. There's obviously other flying types that you don't have to commit your Terra for. Right. Uh, And that helps because I've noticed a lot of Tusks aren't running a rock type move. They'll just have like Earthquake, Headlong Rush, and Close Combat, and Protect, or something like that. It it's uh pretty bad when they are running like rock slide, but usually rock slide's not an Oko. If you don't get flinched, you're probably gonna be all right. Hmm. That's why like I have Stone Edge on my tusk, but I'm not using that right now. But it seems good as maybe if you have something else on your team like the bundle and the Tyranitar in this example to cover those flying types, you should be good. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the coverage aspect uh, of Great Tusk is very important, you're right, because ground and fighting, you know, that that flying immunity and resistance is very easy for opponents to identify and make that their, you know, their instant Great Tusk answer. Something that that I really enjoy is putting Ice Spinner on Great Tusk. Mm-hmm. I started doing that. I had Iron Head on there at first, but then I just found myself being like, I'm never clicking Iron Head. I'm just going for the 120 base power move. So for that third move slot, I decided to go with Ice Spinner because it does hit those ice types or like the, the flying types rather, but it also clears away terrain, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And if you are able to hit that Dragonite or something that hasn't terrored yet and you can do quadruple damage, that's really nice. But yeah, Talonflame, Great Tusk, very fun, fun team for sure. Uh, some you know, but it is it is very weak to intimidate. So maybe you want to address that in some capacity, but also know the talent plane being extremely fast. It's access to taunt, will o wisp. Those are great for great for all that offensive support to be able to really minimize and shut down a lot of uh, a lot of what the opponent wants to do. 
Uh, this next team is basically you always have the good stuffs team, and that's what this is. This is a group that we had talked about before, uh, the, the Baja Blast, as we coined it, which is Bundle, Amoongus, Hands, and Arcanine. On here, they throw on the addition of Roaring Moon and Fluttermane. It can be a lot of basically just the really good stuff that is currently out there right now. High base stats, and there's no real clear and obvious win condition, which is great for you as the person piloting the team, because if you are skilled enough to be able to identify what those win cons are match to match or even turn to turn, you can maneuver your way into a win when it may just be defeat otherwise. But then as the opponent, you don't quite know what they are going to do because every single one of their Pokemon is able to do a lot of different stuff well. I mean, sure, Amoongus is just going to basically be your redirector. Maybe you can fall and puff, heal every once in a while, but then it's also going to score. And then is Fluttermane, you know, does it have Parasong or does it not? Or is it Trick Room or... You know, is it the acrobatic set on Roaring Moon or what's the, you know, hands going to do? Is it Swords Dance or is it Assault Vest? It's just, you have a lot of different options and it is a pretty easy team to start with the building process because then you can just add on top of those four and go from there. I know that this is where I started unashamedly. I mean, the, the one of the teams that is that I currently have on cart is four of these Pokemon. It's Arcanine... Iron Hands, Iron Bundle, Fluttermane, and then Great Tusk and, and Garganackle. And it's like, I bring the same four Pokemon a lot of the time because they just, they handle everything well. And you get the Fire, Water, Grass Core, with Arcanine, Amoongus, and Iron Bundle. It's just, can't say enough about it. So I'll stop. Gil, what are your thoughts on this good stuff's this iteration? Is, this is the team that, that made me start running Terra Fairy, Armourouge. Yeah, yeah. This it's it, that's the dedicated answer for this team, for it for me. It was giving me so much trouble at the beginning. I was like, I have to find a way to beat this, and it, you know, it was great. I mean, it, it just kind of it's kind of an iron sharpens iron kind of thing. You know that 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 team being as good as it is probably made my the team my main team I'm running uh, made it better. Um, I got nothing but respect for it. I don't personally run it, haven't run it, but I I built to beat it. Arcanine is a pain. It it's it's really shown up in series two. Yeah, it really has. It's just got it's got great stat distribution, very bulky. You know, you can run offense, you can run defense if you want to. Snarl, Will O' Wisp, Extreme Speed. Honestly, sometimes the best move on Arcanine is protect. Believe it or not, and it's just you never know what it's going to be. What about you, Spicer? What are your thoughts on this good stuff team? What I'm looking at here is the meta, and uh, pretty much any combination of this and other popular mods are going to be good with the right pilot. Uh, I think that using a team like this is smart for anyone who's trying to get into the meta, uh, because you kind of learn to pilot rather than rely on a set combo. There's not too much to say about it. Uh, having an answer to this is just having an answer to the meta, and it's not easy. You got Fake Out, you got on the high end, the bundles, you got your speed control on the low end, you got your Moongus putting you to sleep, you got your RK9 neutralizing your physical attackers. You got Flutterman doing its thing, just kills things. 
Yeah, good luck countering this. <laughs> it, they, they do offer some some counters here. Uh, Tyranitar like, specifically, which I find interesting because it does do well against these special attackers because a if you EV it correctly, I mean, even like a Moonblast from Fluttermane, the Tyranitar just shrugs that off when it's like it's Assault Vest or just like a lot of, you know, HP or Spadef bulk. Because um, once it's in sand, I mean, it's just it's just taking so little damage. And then maybe you go flying, that way you can counter Iron Hands a little bit, but then you do lose that Spadef drop, or like the Spadef boost with the rock, but you're still weak to Intimidate and Will-O-Wisp and Spore from Arcanine and Amoongus. So maybe Tyranitar with Misty sea, uh, Misty Terrain screens Grimmsnarl could be could be something, or it also offers Vital Spirit uh, as an option as well. That way you don't fall asleep. But yeah, this is this is a good team, and, and like you said, if you have an answer for this, then you have an answer for for the meta. Something that this team may not do as well as outside of, I guess, I and mean, I guess you do have Dragon Dance on roaring moon and potentially swords dance on, on iron hands there's not too much setup so if you can reduce the damage output on some of these pokemon and it forces you know the, the game to go longer maybe that benefits you a little bit all right this last team that we're going to cover because uh, there is an eighth team on this list but it is parasong slash parish trap which we talked about in great detail last episode so if you're interested in that please go check it out but for this one, it is Trick Room. And for those that don't know or they're very new, Trick Room is basically now all of these slow mons go first. And so Trick Room lasts, what, four turns? Five turns? Because it's like it's activated. It's, it's five turns, but it counts. The turn it activates counts as right. one. Right. So, so it's activated and then you get four turns of it. So you, so you try to set Trick Room in some capacity and then have your slow but very strong damage dealers like Torkoal or Brute Bonnet or Iron Hands or even, you know, into the Armor Rouge do a lot of damage and then you just sort of win the game within that Trick Room time. Something that I did like to put on my Trick Room teams back in the day when I would run them is I did like to have a little bit of a fast mode. That way, if it does run out, then I'm able to still keep up or even be faster than my opponent. Yeah. And... I find that works out pretty well. So we'll we'll start with you, Gil. You're you you really like Trick Room. What's your mm -hmm. your take on the meta this time? Yeah, I uh, it's a great time to be a Trick Room player. There are so many great options that you can run. It, it it's just a great time to be a Trick Room player. You know, it, you get you get your little uh, as as far as I'm concerned, Brute Bonnet, which is a, like a hybrid between Breloom and Amoongus. It it does spore. It does offense. It does. It can do redirection. It can do a lot of things. It's a great Pokemon. You know, you can run Psy Spam in it. You can run. You do. You can do pretty much whatever you want. There's not a. There's not really a, a set formula for it. I personally use it because I like disrupting. I think if I can, if I can get my opponent off their game, and get my get it get it right, it's definitely something. It's definitely something that can throw people, and that's why I use it. It's, yeah, and we're, and like I said, great place. I I've never been more excited as a Trick Room player than I am right now. Yeah, very cool. It's uh, it's it's very strong right now for sure, and especially with one of the other Pokemon that they that they include here on the list is Screamtail. And we covered Screamtail 
last week on the Parish Song team as a fast Parish Song user, but with Screamtail has a ton of support op- uh, support options, and it's so incredibly bulky that it is a fantastic trick room setter because it's not going to go down to one or even two hits, and you know almost guarantee set up that that trick room, and then you can have something sweep in the back while it just goes for a helping hand, which doesn't rely on speed since it's all about priority anyways. Trick room is a lot of fun. I, I've definitely always enjoyed it. Um, I was that that sometimes I'd be you know, like that that scummy sun trick room user with Torkoal and Venusaur, and I know there's you know there's no skill involved in that, but it was fun. What about you, Spicer? You a uh, adventure into trick room? Um, I haven't played much trick room yet in Gen Nine. I did a lot in Gen Eight. It was fun. Definitely had uh, my time with it. Uh, Trick Room is always nice. It's the classic bane of a hyper offense. And it's uh, a funny team because uh, your your win condition either happens like it's often happening on turn one. You get your Trick Room set up or you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you try to identify how they're going to stop your Trick Room. Some Sometimes you try to have two different ways to set it up. I mean, typically, yeah, you want to have an A and a B plan for how they're going to do it. You got to watch out for the spore. You got to watch out for the fake out or the double up. And uh, it's really hard to cover all of them. Uh, so it's always going to have that niche. Once you get it up, you got five turns of your slow mons going first, and they're probably also very tanky uh, and you're going to win. And uh, that's uh, something you always got to keep in mind. You need to have an answer for trick room mm-hmm. and it's hard to do. Because they got the mental herb for your taunt, or they got the safety goggles for your spore, or they got the citrus berry for your double up. You never know what it's going to be. Just uh, keep it in mind. Um, I see it. It's either size spam, in my opinion, or it's like fake out trick room, typically. Or they have the giraffe mm-hmm. doing its stuff. Frigoraph and Iron Hands are a fantastic combo to set trick room. But Frigoraph did not get into top 32 i think at orlando so well that's a travesty i think there i think that there was a typo or something <laughs> it's forever viable as long as uh you've got your uh counters to the counters so yeah that is seven teams that we went through cores ideas ways you can use them go against them so that was a lot to digest and um, we'll certainly make sure to pass around this 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 tweet. That way you can look at all these images and get a good sense of what you want to build moving forward. Because some are going to say that maybe the VGC, that the meta is a little stale, or others say that it's extremely creative and you can do a whole bunch of different stuff. I think it's definitely somewhere more in the middle, where I think there is still creativity that is coming out. But... I think you are better off using very good Pokemon, but by all means go wild with some of the stuff that you do out there, because especially if you're not going to any regionals, you're not going to be playing in any tournaments online where they are best of three. The best of one is just is wild is the wild west. So just go, go nuts, you know, especially if you're on cartridge and you don't even have the option for open team sheet, like on Pokemon showdown or something like that. So of course we have, Oceania International Championship is going to be happening this weekend. 
Uh, we're going to actually not cover it because we are running out of time here. So instead, we hope that everyone enjoys watching and we'll certainly break down some of the information that comes out of it and see how the meta shakes out and see if it's more of the same with Orlando or maybe it's completely different or just a little bit different. Again, I'm sure it's going to be somewhere in the middle. So thank you again to you both for coming on. Gil, thanks for coming on so short notice. And Spicer, as always, thank you very much for, for joining. Happy to be here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I've been Jake. And uh, thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great day. Class yes. dismissed.